convictions of our church, it is wonderful to have you as a part of this worshiping family today. And I, I certainly recognize that for many of us, Father's Day is wonderful. But you know what? Sometimes Father's Day can also be a sad day. Perhaps we're missing our dad. Perhaps um, a relationship with our dad isn't exactly what we thought it would be. But you know what? This is a church that handles all types of families, and we want you here. This is a place where we laugh. This is a place where we have joy. But you know what? This is a place where we can handle sadness as well. We, um, we know that God loves every part of us, and this church does too. So we are thrilled to have you as a part of our congregation today. And, um, you know, perhaps this is your very first visit with us to be a part of the UBC family, or perhaps you're, you've been coming for a while and you're ready to connect with our church officially. We have connect cards at the front of the pew rack, but you know what? We also have a number where you can text. And I realize that you see that number up there, and it seems like it goes really fast. It's also in our worship guide. So that way, even if you go home this afternoon and you think, man, I didn't, I didn't send my stuff in. I'd love to connect with that church. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to know how to pray for you. We would love to know how to minister um, with you. So we would love to, to do that. And then there's two things that I want to I want to um, share with you. One is we've got a huge praise. Our team from Guatemala is back. They have a great report. God did amazing things there. And then as well, we had two groups working at apartment, at apartment ministries in the last week, one in the morning and one in the evening. And those apartment uh, Bible schools were amazing as well. And then this week, we have a team that's going to work both here at UBC and also at Westcliff for Kid Power Camp. So if you have children or you know children, this is a great place to be this week. Um, but I ask you to please be very much in prayer for the people who are going to be ministering through Kid Power Camp. They need those prayers. And you know what? God's going to do mighty works. So um, we, we love that we get to share that with you as well. So let's go to our Heavenly Father and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you. We are ready to worship you. We are ready to adore you because you have done great things and mighty things. Father, your outstretched arm is the one that, that made all of creation. Father, just as the sun rises and we could, that's something we could never do, Father, you are a miracle worker. You are the great and heavenly Father, and we come to you on our knees ready to worship you, ready to praise you, and Father, ready to pour out our hearts. Father, open our ears, help us to be ready to listen to you. Father, open our mouths, Father, that we might be ready to sing your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, I'd like to ask the children to come up for children's time with Miss Trish. And as they do, let's stand up as a congregation. Let's welcome those that are here. It is so good to be with you this day. All right. You guys can go ahead and make your way back to your seats and have a seat. And Miss Trisha Ryan's going to lead us in our children's time this morning. Thank you. Wow. Hi, friends. How are you guys? There's something special about today. Can anybody tell me what it is? What is it? Father's Day. It's Father's Day. I bet all of you have fathers, right? in some form or another, right? And grandfathers and uncles and people and, and stepdads and people, men who care a lot about you. You know, 
fathers and grandfathers and those men who mean a lot to us, do you know who gave those men to us? God. God created those men in mind exactly for you. So if you think about your special dad in your life, think about what he's done for you and what you do with him, and then I want somebody to tell me what that is. What have you done? Like with my dad, he used to take me fishing and camping, and he was such a neat, he's, he was, he's still around. He's such a neat man. I really admire my dad and I love him a lot. But what is something fun that you've done with your dad or something special? What, what about you? Oh, taking you to your grandma's house this one. That's pretty special. What about you, Abigail? Going fossil hunting and trying new foods. Fossil hunting and trying new foods. What about you? Taking my mom to school. Taking your mom to school. So those are all really some special things that you've done with your fathers or with the special men. It's okay. With your special men in your life. And um, God gave those to us. Well, I was thinking about the ultimate father. And you know who that is? God. And his other name is Father, right? And there are lots of things in the Bible, lots of places in the Bible that talk about who he is and his character and about what he's done for us. But there's one verse and there's one, there's actually three different characteristics that you will look into when you read the Bible. They talk over and over and over about who God is. And I want to read it to you. And it says that the Lord, another name for the Lord is Father, is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abiding in love. That's a pretty awesome thing, right? They're compa he's compassionate, he's gracious, he doesn't get mad easily, and he abounds in love, meaning he loves so big. His love is so big. So today, when you go and hang out with your father, or your grandfather, or your uncle, or that special man in your life, make sure that you thank God for him and make sure that you tell him how much you love him and give him a big hug. And then make sure that you thank our God the Father for being compassionate and gracious and big in love. And if the men in the audience in our congregation did not get a gift from us, they are sitting at this door and at this door. It's a fun little tool. So thank you, men, for being in our life. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we do thank you that you are our ultimate father. You are compassionate and gracious. You are abounding in love, and you are slow to anger, and we are so grateful. Thank you for each one of these children who are here right now. May they know you, may they know how much you love them and how big your love is for them. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Good morning, church family. My name is Johnny Maples and I direct the UBC Chancel Choir. I just wanna take a second to tell you how much I love being the director of this choir. They are truly a blessing in my life. And this is our last Sunday that we're singing in worship. We would love to have you come and sing with us. Our rehearsals start back August 1st. So please consider that. Um, this being our last Sunday, I wanted to end on something a little different. And so I wanted to read this passage from the composer so you know what the song is all about. This is from the composer. Hold on seems to be a theme in my music. In fact, it is the title of my solo CD. I've learned that sometimes we thrive, but yet other times the best that we can do is simply survive. This anthem can be used with so many different worship themes and scriptures. Many psalm texts and stories from the gospels call upon the Lord to save us from our distress amidst sinking sand or swirling waters or shaking mountains. Often when I hear of a natural disaster on the news, I reflect on how many people every day are hit by their own personal earthquakes or tsunamis when they receive a medical test result or a call from the highway patrol 
or a pink slip at work. It doesn't take an earthquake to shake the ground you stand on. But our faith would call us to hold on to the rock of ages and to carry us with confidence and trust. This is my favorite part. So this is not intended to be just a playful, entertaining song. Sing it from the depth of your voice and of your soul. Minister to your listeners as you lead them to the rock. This morning, our hope is that you choose to hold on to the rock of ages when those storms and attacks come your way. doesn't take a mighty earthquake to shake the ground you stand on cause life can change like a hurricane and blow all the plans you planned on well the ground is gonna shake and the wind is gonna blow Every blessing comes our way, but when life shakes us to our very soul, who you gonna trust and where you gonna go? in light of that, let's stand together and respond as we sing to our solid rock, Jesus. This is probably my favorite hymn, period. I love it. It's gotten me through, through so many times in my life. Let's sing it together. 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. to stand on is because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy all praise, glory, and honor goes to the Lord. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore, for endless days.
shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed in Jesus' face oh praise the Good morning. What a day of worship so far. Can we get an amen? I mean, with Tommy and Johnny and the choir and Matt, you can just feel the Spirit filling this place. And we thank God, Matt, for all that you've done for our church since you've been here. The, the worship that we have in this building um, is just amazing. And uh, he has really been a gift. Let's give Matt a hand. <clears throat> So, um, I'm not the pastor of this church. The pastor's name is Jeremiah Smith. He's on vacation. He sends his greetings. Um, my name is Brian Briscoe. I'm a, I'm a longtime member. Um, I know I only look about 20, but I've been here about 30 years. Um, and, and every now and then, Jeremiah asked me to fill in. I think it's because when we first met, I told him I had gone to seminary, and something just lodged in his brain that, aha, I've got my, I've got my guest preacher. Uh, so you guys have to put up with me this morning, and uh, uh, before I begin, I want to give you three caveats, and I think I give this to you every time I preach. First, like I said, I'm not the pastor of the church. Um, I'm not Jeremiah. Jeremiah's awesome. If you're a guest, if you're a first-time member, if you're thinking about making a decision about joining us, come back next week, hear Jeremiah before you make that decision. Don't hold anything I say against this church or against Jeremiah. Second, I'm not on ministry staff of this church. And third, I'm not even a professional minister. Like I said, I went to seminary a long, long time ago. Um, I, I didn't have any, any gifting in preaching, uh, I don't believe. Um, didn't take any preaching classes. So all that is just sort of, I want you to know that before I get started. Um, but I'm very thankful for Jeremiah asking me to, to come help today. We're, we're in the book of Jonah. If you have your Bibles, pull out Jonah. We're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 2, and specifically the first two verses of Jonah chapter 2. And Jonah chapter 2 looks different. If you have your Bible open, you can see that the writing's in the middle of the page, and it's, it appears to be in stanzas. It looks like a song or a psalm or a prayer, and that's because it is. So chapter 1, 3, and 4 are narratives. They're the, they're the story we all know of Jonah about him um, getting into the belly of the whale and running from God and, and then getting spat on dry land and then going to Assyria and preaching. And all that stuff happens in 1, 3, and 4. 2 is really the only time we get to see into Jonah's mind because it is a prayer. It's a prayer that Jonah prays from the belly of the whale. And so for the next few weeks... I'll start today, and Jeremiah's going to preach two or three sermons about what these passages say um, about God and about Jonah and about our own situation. 
But before we get into that, I want to just take a step back. I think because we're going so slowly through this book, we need to remember what the book of Jonah is telling us about God. When we read the book of Jonah, what are the things we should remember about who God is? And I think it helps us understand these sort of small passages that we're breaking the book down into. So I want to take just a few minutes and talk about what does the book of Jonah tell me about God. If someone came to you and said, hey, this is a crazy story, this book about a man who gets swallowed by a fish, I can't believe it's true. What do you Christians have that book in your Bible for? What does it tell you about who your God is? Here's the three things I want you to always keep in mind about this book. First, and we touched about upon this already in worship today, God is in complete control of the natural world. God is a sovereign God. He's the creator God. And as such, he is in complete control of the natural world. And of course, in the book of Jonah, we see that in God sending the storm and God sending the, the fish and God sending the worm and God sending the, or the plant and the worm to eat the plant and God sending the, the storm um, and the wind. All those things show us that God is the creator of all things and as the creator, he has the ability to use those things for his purposes in whatever way he wants. So that's the first thing we need to th keep in our mind. God is in control of the world. The second great theme of Jonah, and the one that I think is the primary purpose of the book of Jonah, is that it tells us that God loves all the people of the earth. The book of Jonah is often read in, in missionary sending context, because it's a rare time in the Old Testament when God is not focused on the people of Israel, where God is not talking about destroying all the enemies of Israel. Instead, what God is saying is, Jonah... I'm going to send you to one of the most hated people of Israel so that you preach um, a message to them, and they're going to repent and see who I am and turn from their wicked ways and turn towards me. God cares about all the people of the earth, and his love and salvation extends to everyone. So when you think about Jonah, think about God's love, his kindness and mercy going beyond just us, beyond just his church, beyond just his chosen people, to all of his creation, to all of um, the world. Now, I want to just make sure we put a little caveat here. I'm not saying that there's some universal salvation or that everyone experiences God's love. What I'm saying is it's offered to everyone. We, we can all reject it, um, but the, the love of God is extended to everyone. And then the third great theme of Jonah. So he, he's in charge of his creation. He loves all of his people. The third great theme, and the one we're going to talk about briefly today um, I'll back up. I promised Mike Calder he would see the whole U.S. Open today. So this will not be a lengthy sermon, um, but, but, but let's talk a little bit. The third great theme of the book of Jonah, and the one I want to talk today, to you today, is that God is a rescuer. He is a saver. He is a deliverer. It is within his DNA to help his people. He graciously, selflessly, and lovingly rescues those of us who are going through difficult times. And he'll do that over and over and over again. He's a God of second chances, of third chances, of fourth chances. And that's what Jonah learns um, the hard way in chapter 2. So my message to you today before we turn to the scriptures is very simple. It's that God is with you in difficult times. And he's with those, and he will answer those who sincerely call on him for help. No matter your circumstances, your condition, no matter your situation, God is with you. No matter how far you, you try to run from God, no matter how deep and dark a pit you might find yourself in, God is with you. And I think it's worth taking a second to reflect on that, that the God of the universe who created all things and holds all things together in the palm of his hands is on our side and is with us. And when we have no hope and when we cry out to him, he hears our cries and he rescues us. I want to pray before we, before we start today. Oh God, we all go through very difficult times. We have all, like Jonah, found ourselves at the bottom of the sea with no hope, no future, no chance. Teach us to look for you in those difficult times. 
Remind us that you are always there and that you desire to rescue us and give us life. And thank you, O oh God, for that ultimate rescue provided by your Son on that cross in our place. May that great rescue be the first thing on our minds in the morning when we wake up and the last thing on our minds at night when we go to bed. And it's in the name of your Son, the great rescuer, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. So chapter 2 opens with Jonah in a very difficult spot. He's in the belly of what the Hebrew uh, language calls the Dagadol, the great fish in the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. And as you recall, Jeremiah's preached through chapter 1. Jonah is responsible for his own predicament. It's his own disobedience to God that has put himself in this place. And, and what was the thing that God wanted Jonah to do? God wanted Jonah to go preach uh, a message to the Ninevites, to the city of Nineveh, which was the capital of the ancient empire of Assyria. And Jonah knew that if he went and preached that message to Nineveh, that Nineveh would repent and that God would um, um, forgive their sinfulness. And Jonah couldn't do this because Nineveh wanted to destroy Israel. Nineveh was a great enemy of Israel, and Jonah saw no justice in that mission. This is a people who deserve the judgment of God. They didn't deserve a second chance. And so Jonah says, no, thank you, God. I'm not, I'm not going to Nineveh to preach this message. In fact, I'm going to go as far away from you as possible to get away from this plan for my life. So God said, go, and Jonah said, no. So he ran in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. He went to the port city of Joppa and headed to a place called Tarshish, which would have been far to the west, as far west as the ancient mind could have thought of, as far away from the eastern Assyrian Empire as possible. He went down to this port, he went down into a boat, and he went down into the bottom of the boat so that he could get farther and farther away from God. He was trying to get away from God, right? But what does he learn? He learns very quickly that he can't outrun God. He learns that because God sends a massive storm which stops the ship in its tracks, and it threatens to sink the ship and kill all the people on board, and Jonah knew that that storm was sent by God. And he knew it was sent by God because of his own disobedience. So he told the sailors, and really the sailors, if you go back, I think Jeremiah talked about this, they seem to have the spiritual acumen in this situation. They seem to know what's going on more than the follower of God, and they worship other gods. They know that somebody has ticked off a god, right? That somebody has made God mad, and that's the reason why we have this storm, and they want to figure out who it is. And Jonah tells them, hey, guys, it's me. It's me. And they say, call out to your God and, and do whatever God wants you to do. And Jonah says, I just can't do it. I'm not doing that. So instead, throw me into the ocean. So they throw him into the ocean as a sacrifice to Yahweh, and the sea instantly calms. And again, we have these pagan sailors understanding God better than this career prophet Jonah when they see the miraculous nature of the, the, the sea calming and the storm stopping and they instantly become followers of God, while Jonah continues to be disobedient to him. And so, in normal land, this would end the story, right? Jonah would be in the Mediterranean Sea, he wouldn't have a life jacket, he wouldn't have a lifeboat, he wouldn't have any rescuers, he would just drown in the ocean. He needs a rescuer, and he doesn't have one, and he's turned his back on the one rescuer that could have helped him. Now, I want you just to think about what Jonah must have been thinking when he, was throwing over, when he was thrown overboard by those sailors. He had basically decided to end his own life rather than follow the commands of God. With that decision, he had resigned himself to the fact that his, his life was over. He'd never see his country again. He'd never see his friends again. He'd never see his family again. And his last act on earth that he probably was replaying over and over in his mind was this complete rebellion to the God he had served his whole life. You can imagine that there was shame, sadness, guilt, pain as he bobbed around in the Mediterranean Sea. Probably for a while he treaded water, right? We've all been in water. We, we know how it feels. Um, he probably treaded water, kept his head above, was able to breathe for a while, 
But at some point, that stopped. He lost his fight against the ocean, his lungs would have filled up with water, and he would have started to sink to the deep. Again, with this mindset of, I've thrown it all away. He had no means of escape, he had no means of survival, he had no hope, he's crushed, he's despondent, he's finished, he's poured out, his life is over and there's nothing he can do about it. So he does the one thing that is left for him to do. And it's really a Hail Mary, right? He's turned against his God completely, but he cries out to that God that he has turned his back to in desperation for help. He realizes finally that there is only one thing that can save me, and that is God. Save me, he shouts as he sinks into the ocean. And I think the reader is supposed to almost laugh out loud at this point, like, save me? Are you kidding me? You just turned your back on God. You've pointed people away from God. God is is not who you, you think he was, so you've run away from him, and now you're asking for him to save you. And I think our instinct is um, God would never hear that prayer. God doesn't care about Joan anymore. This is God. I mean, God can call up countless people to do his work on earth, or God can do his work on earth without our help. God wouldn't help Jonah in this situation, but as we know, and what makes this story so popular, is that God answers the prayer. He hears the prayer, and he answers the prayer, and he does it in this miraculous way. He sends this giant fish to swallow Jonah and save him from drowning. And what we're going to look at is chapter 2. Chapter 2 records Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving for that salvation. It's not a prayer of deliverance. The Bible doesn't give us the words of that prayer, although you can probably imagine, imagine what it was. Help me. I'm dying. I'm drowning. Save me. But we don't get to hear that prayer. Instead, we hear a prayer of thanksgiving. Jonah is expressing his thanks to God for sending this creature and miraculously saving him. And it's interesting, he prays this prayer after he's been in the whale for three days and three nights. And it doesn't appear that Jonah knows what's going to happen to him, but he has come to the conclusion that God is good and that God has a plan for him and that God is going to get him back to dry land eventually. So he sings this song, and I'm going to read it uh, in its entirety to you. Jeremiah is going to go through it in a lot more detail. I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard, but follow along in, in whatever text you have. These are the words of Jonah to his God from the belly of the whale. I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried out for help from the depth of Sheol. You heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountain. The earth with its bars was around me forever, but you have brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. And the text tells us that following the praying of this prayer, the fish spits Jonah out back onto dry land. So quickly, what can we learn from really the first verse of this psalm? The the first verse is what Jeremiah has asked me to talk about, and I'll just remind you, it's basically a summary of what's going on, what has led Jonah to this point. The summary is, he called out to his distress, in his distress to the Lord, and the Lord answered him, He cried out for help from the depth of this place called Sheol, and God heard his voice. So the first thing I think we can learn from this passage is that there is nowhere you can go and be apart from God. Or to put it another way, God is always with you. Look at this place that Jonah cried out from, the depths of Sheol. 
In Jonah's mind, in any ancient Hebrew's mind, this would have been the one place that you could have gone to escape God. Sheol was the Hebrew idea of the afterlife. It was the grave, basically. It was the place that Hebrews went after they died. The ancient Hebrews believed it was located under the earth, and it was surrounded by bars and cords to keep the souls in. There was no way to escape. It's described throughout the Psalms as a deep, dark pit where the souls in prison there no longer praise God. They no longer tell of God's love. And just as an example, Psalm 88.5 says that God does not remember or care for those who go to Sheol. The psalmist says he is, quote, set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom God remembers no more, who are cut off from God's care. Jonah, his mindset was in such a dark place that he thought the only way he could escape from God's judgment, which is surely what he thought was coming, was to end his own life and go to Sheol, go to the afterworld, and there he wouldn't be bothered by God anymore. But verse 2 of Jonah, chapter 2, tells us that God heard Jonah's cries, not just from Sheol, but this is a unique uh, phrase in the Hebrew Bible, from the very belly of Sheol, from the very depths of Sheol, from the deepest, darkest place of hell, basically, God heard Jonah's cries. We, we get a picture of, of what this is like in Psalm 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. This is a word of hope and encouragement for us. God is saying, when you are on the mountaintop, when you are at the highest of the highs, I am there. And, and, and it's easy, again, we sang a song today about that, it's easy to feel God's blessing when you are receiving God's blessing. It's easy to feel God uh, when you're in the mountaintops of life, when you're having spiritual peak after spiritual peak. But what this psalm also says is that God is with us when we are in the depths of hell, when we are in our most lowest points, when we are in the deepest, darkest parts of our life, God is with us, and he is always with us. There's no place like Jonah learned that we can go to escape him. And that's because of his mercy and his love and his character and who he is. So as I was working on the sermon this week and thinking about what does it mean to, that God's with you during difficult times, my uh, middle son, Carter, I don't know if he's paying attention. Um, now he is. My middle son, Carter, uh, was, was up one night. He was having a hard time sleeping, so he came and sat next to me to kind of read over my shoulder the sermon as I was kind of thinking about what I was going to say and typing it out. And he noticed that I was going to preach on where uh, God being with you in difficult times and that God will help you in those difficult times. And we were talking about that. And I asked him, so Carter, what's your most difficult time? What is the most difficult time in your life? Now, he's in first grade. We can uh, preface it with that. He thought about it for a while. And then in all sincerity, he told me his most difficult time was math tests and maybe spelling tests. And I told him that, that uh, you know, when you're having trouble with those tests, that you can pray to God and that he will hear your prayers. Now, for you and I, our most difficult time might not be a first grade math test, although it would be difficult for me. And it might not be sinking to the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea and, and hoping that you're not going to drown. But... We have all been through difficult times, right? Some of us are in those difficult times right now. Some of them are on, on the good side of them. Some of them, they are coming up in, the, in our, our future. Some of you might be experiencing an unexpected illness that has thrown a curveball at you. Or maybe you have a family member that has an unexpected illness that, that has um, uh, really eating away at you. Maybe you have a battle with addiction. Maybe you're having a difficulty in a relationship. Maybe you're suffering from depression or anxiety. I, I could come up with thousands of things that put us in those deep, dark pits. They make us feel hopeless. They make us feel broken. They make us feel defeated. They make us feel like Jonah, crushed by the weight of the sea with no hope for rescue. And often these difficult times are, are just so heavy and burdensome that it feels like there's no room for God in our lives. The only thing we can see is the difficult time. Others might be shameful 
or embarrassing, and they make us want to run as far away from God as possible. And in some extreme circumstances, sometimes we might feel that death, like Jonah felt, is preferable to life, that we just cannot take another step, live another day. What Jonah tells us is that no matter how difficult your life is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how deep, dark, disgusting, dirty, difficult the pit is that you find yourself in, no matter how much grief you feel or sadness or isolation or loneliness or depression or anxiety or all of those things, God is with you. He's with you in the midst of that. And that might not sound like much, but that has gotten me through a lot of difficult times. There are times when I cannot pray for help. There are times when it feels so overwhelming that to even utter the words to God seems impossible. But I take hope and and trust and courage and confidence that he is with me, that he knows what I'm going through. And we know he knows what I'm going through because he sent his son to die on a cross for us. Is there a worse, dark, more difficult place you can imagine than sending your son to die on the cross for other people's screw-ups? So Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Psalm 34.18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And Jonah was brokenhearted. Jonah had disobeyed his God. Jonah had fled from God's presence. But then Jonah needed help. And he turned to the one source that can help us, and that is God. I've got just two more quick points. I know I've been going for a while, and I also want to see if Phil Mickelson withdrew from the tournament this morning. But the second of the three points, quickly, God hears our cries, and these are all related. So not only is God with us, but he hears our cries for help. And to me, this is kind of one of the more beautiful parts of this prayer of Jonah. You know, Jonah is where Jonah is because he is 100% screwed up, right? He is doing the exact opposite of God's plan for his life. You know, it's one thing to think about Paul crying out for help while he's imprisoned or while he's getting beaten up because he's defending Jesus Christ. We understand, yes, God's going to come through in that situation. Or when you have Paul, um, who's being persecuted because of, uh, of his presentation of the gospel. Yeah, we get that. God's going to hear that prayer when he needs help. But Jonah is a complete screw-up. He's just like me. He runs from God at every turn. God clearly tells him what to do, and he doesn't do it. And God still hears his cry. That is, again, a word of encouragement. Not only is he there, but he hears our cries. And he wants us to live in accordance to his plan, and he hopes that we live in accordance with his plan, but he knows that we're human and that we don't always do that. And he's still with us in the midst of that, and he helps us in the midst of that. Finally, and just briefly, again, related, God doesn't, is not just with us, and he does not just hear our prayers. But Jonah chapter 2, 2 is clear he answers our prayers. And this goes back to his DNA. God's DNA is really a savior. He's a rescuer. He's a deliverer. He's there to bring salvation. He's there to help his people. And he does this for Jonah. Jonah didn't deserve that mercy. Jonah didn't deserve that grace, just as much as we don't deserve that mercy or that grace. But the amazing thing about our God's grace is that he extends it anyway. And he does it again and again and again. And he does that out of his immeasurable love for us. And and that love is seen most clearly by, again, what Jesus did on the cross. So this is an Old Testament story. It's full of good messages about, about God being with us and about God hearing our prayers and God answering our prayers. But ultimately, what we've learned as we read the Bible is that we are messed up, broken people who need a Savior and need a rescuer. 
There is nothing we can do to earn our own salvation. There is nothing we can do to earn God's love, his mercy, his forgiveness. And God recognized that, and he sent the ultimate rescuer to us, and that was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came on this earth, and he walked among us. One of his titles was Emmanuel, God with us. Ancient prophet contemporaries of Jonah knew he was coming, and they talked about coming. His name was Jesus, which meant salvation. And what Jonas tells us is that that DNA that's within God to help his people when they need his help is completely, perfectly fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to die for your sin, to die for my sin, so that we can be fully rescued, so that we can stand in front of God with Jesus' righteousness draped over us. And that is what is amazing about our God. And even when you stand with that righteousness draped over you, you're going to go through difficult times. Our family's gone through difficult times. We've had some unexpected sicknesses in our family. We've had some other things that have come. We've had all three of our kids have been hospitalized in one year. It's been uh, just one of these kind of lower points in our life right now. And sometimes that just doesn't feel good. Sometimes you just don't feel good. But what you cling to in those moments is that Jesus died for you and your family on the cross and that he is there with you. Just like God was there for Jonah, Jesus is there for you. So if you have never thought about that, if you've never wrestled with what did Jesus do on the cross, I ask you to consider it today. I ask you to think about uh, what your life could be like if you turned it over to this man, this perfect man who was willing to give up his life for you and for me. And if you've never made that decision, I, I hope that today you think long and hard about making that decision. Caroline's going to come up front, and she is going to, to be here to greet anyone who wants to know more about Jesus. Like I said, I went to seminary 25 years ago. There's probably, I, I don't know, a tenth about who Jesus is, and I, I'm, I'm an, an articulate uh, presenter of the gospel. I'm a broken vessel, but I can tell you he's made a difference in my life. He's made a difference in my family's life, and him being in my life has made my life better and it has given me hope for the future. So if you've never thought about Jesus, begin thinking about him today. Start reading the Bible. Start with the book of John. See how much he loves you and how much he has sacrificed for you. If you're looking for a church home, like I said, next week you're going to hear a good sermon. You sort of heard a blabbering sermon today, but next week you're going to hear a great sermon from Jeremiah, and he will clearly and articulately tell you about the gospel and about what it means to be part of this church, but more importantly, to be part of Jesus' family. And so I will ask you, if you have any decisions to make today, if you're thinking about joining our church and you've decided, in spite of my preaching, that, that this is the place you want to be, please come forward to Caroline. She'll be here to standing to greet you. I'll ask the musicians to come on up now. God is a good God, guys. He's a good God. He is with you in your difficult times. He hears your prayers, and he will answer them. Let me pray as the musicians get ready. Dear Lord, thank you again for being our rescuer. Teach us to look for you in those difficult times. Teach us to look for you in those pits. And even if we can't express those words of help, deliverance, please just put in our minds the thought that you are there with us, that you are suffering right alongside of us. You have proved that you suffer on our behalf. And in those deep, dark places, uh, we, we, we find strength and comfort in that, Lord. We just thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for sending your son to die in our place. We thank you for the hope that we will spend eternity with you. And I just pray that if there's anyone in this building who does not know that or does not believe that, that today you will convict them that the Holy Spirit will lead them to you, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. If you'd like to make a decision, please make your way forward. Let's sing together. In Christ alone, my hope is found 
He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Oh, 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 oh. oh, 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 oh. oh. Praise God. What a worship service. You know what? What a great opportunity to hear God's word. Brian Briscoe, thank you so much. It's a gift to hear you preach. And you know what? Remember this week we have Kid Power Camp. If you know kids, this is the place to be. If you love kids, this is a great place to be. And everybody in our church family, how we need your prayers. So please, um, please be a part of praying for that, right? No problem. Thank you, Big D. And a huge happy Father's Day to each of the wonderful men in our life. You don't have to be a dad to have made a difference in our lives. 
right? You make a difference whenever you mentor, when you love. Remember, we've got a gift for all the guys. If you didn't grab one on your way out, make sure you grab one at the door. We also have a photo booth and snacks up in Harris Hall. Get a great picture. Um, that's always fun. And, and this is what I want to send you out with. May God bless each and every one of you with words of thanksgiving to our Heavenly Father. And may we always remember that our good, good Father is with us at every point, at every high, and at every low. He does not abandon us, and he loves us so. God bless you. Have a great week.